the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. If you have a money question for the show, don't be shy. Shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. The Certified Financial Planner, we're trained in taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing. It's all fair game. We'll do anything besides individual stock, buy, hold, or sell. And uh, if I don't know the answer right away, here at our firm, EP Wealth, we've got, what, over 50 certified financial planners. So somebody will know the answer. That's for sure. Um, Taxes are over. So a lot of people end up getting done with their taxes and they have more questions than what, when they started their return process. Um, double check your withholding on your paycheck now and again before that October payment. So what I mean by that is if you filed your tax return and now you're set to make quarterly payments, typically that's based on what happened last year. And if you, maybe you had a really high income year last year. Maybe you sold a bunch of stock Maybe you had a bunch of options vest and you're not going to have the same kind of year this year. And your quarterly payments are based on a tax event that happened last year and that isn't true this year. You can adjust going forward and make sure you have safe harbor amounts taken out. If you hate doing withholding, increase the withholding on your paycheck. Get it right. Calculate what you've already withheld this year and what you're supposed to withhold and or do in quarterly payments and just have that done by the end of the year. And then what we typically do is check again before you make that October payment and January payment if you're doing quarterly payments and see if you really need to do them or not. Or maybe you even need to make more because you sold even more stock. Um, When you're looking at your tax return, you should also know what is your marginal rate. The tax brackets are a little bit silly in terms of how they're taxed. There's the 12, 15, 22. The brackets continue to go all the way up to 37% right now. But what is your marginal rate? What is that next dollar going to be taxed at? And then what is your effective rate? That's the blended rate. You should know those two things because you should find out whether or not you're straddling any brackets. For example, maybe you're putting some money into the pre-tax 401k, some money into the Roth 401k. And maybe you need to adjust that a little bit because you're straddling a tax bracket. Maybe couple more dollars into that pre-tax side would get you into a lower effective bracket. Um, and Or maybe you are at the same bracket and you should be putting more into the Roth because you're at a 12 to 15% regular bracket. 
knowing, looking at your tax return and knowing where you're at, effective wise, marginal wise, will help you determine how much should you be putting into your 401k into the pre-tax account versus the Roth account. And then let's say if you're retired, if you're retired, you should know, okay, last year, it's fairly normal year. And if you know that that's about what it's going to be going forward and you look at your return and by the time you itemize and or, or not and, but by the time you take the standard deduction or itemize and you might have 10, 20, 30, $40,000 left at the existing bracket that you're always going to be in. And we all know that taxes are likely going to go up in the future. So you might want to be converting some of your IRA to a Roth IRA. Pay the taxes now at that lower bracket. Max out the bracket you're always going to be in and start that account growing totally tax-free. And that works really, really well if you're going to live to normal life expectancy and if you have the cash on the sidelines to pay the taxes. When you convert IRA money to a Roth in retirement, and this is typically the golden age to do that is from retirement to age 71, because at 72, you have to take money out with required minimum distributions that cannot be converted to a Roth. It's a little complicated, but that's the golden age from retirement to the age of 71. Getting that money growing tax-free could help reduce your taxation of your social security. It could help reduce IRMA in the future, which is when you have high income, you pay more for your Medicare Part B can go to your kids tax-free. There's all sorts of great things that can happen with that Roth. The other thing to look at is know whether or not on your tax return, are you itemizing your deductions or are you just taking the standard deduction? Because a lot of you guys go into your CPA or enrolled agent, you just drop everything off. Here's my 1099 on my mortgage statements and um, here's my healthcare expenses and you give them all the, da- the info and then they plug it in. And the return is going to spit out either a standard deduction that everybody gets or an itemized deduction, whichever is greater. And so you might be not, you might be giving all this data and you might not be itemizing at all. You might be taking the standard deduction because it's so high now based on the 2017 tax act. And that might mean you should be changing how you gift to charity. If you're giving cash to charity, and not getting a deduction for it, maybe you should be getting highly appreciated stock that has long-term gains. Or maybe if you're over 70 and a half, you should be giving right out of your IRA. You can get a checkbook out of your IRA. You're allowed to gift if you're 70 and a half or older up to 100 grand a year directly to charity without paying any taxes on that money. And that reduces your tax burden in the future. Also, if you're self-employed or you have any self-employed income at all, You should be looking at a custom individual 401k plan with a mega Roth option and a defined benefit plan. To give you an example, I've got a client in his 60s. He's got W-2 wages of 400 grand, but he also sits on a board, makes self-employed income of 100 grand. And so he's maxing out a 401k with the W-2 wages. And then we have a defined benefit plan going on with the 100 grand of self-employed income where he's putting 75 grand of that away pre-tax, getting a huge tax deduction, and the other 25 grand is going into basically a Roth through the mega Roth bucket. Lots of opportunities if you have any self-employed income at all, if you're getting paid by a 1099. Unfortunately, if you're a contract worker and you're getting paid by a W-2, that kind of messes up a lot of the options for your retirement plan. But some of these uh, 
these contractors that set you guys up. So if you're a contractor, you have a contract with a company, you're technically self-employed, but you're going through an agency and you're getting a W-2, there should be 401k plans available for you now going forward through that California laws that are changing. So keep your eye out for that. All right. A couple of things. If you're doing your tax returns and you high income earner or kind of wealthy, I, I don't know why people do that. I really don't. I can do my own taxes. I still have a CPA. I it's it's a second set of eyeballs. It's somebody there if I ever get audited that defends the return. It is so worth the money. Um, now you got to figure out what you're paying because I recently had somebody that was paying like three grand a year for a very simple 1040 return with some gifting. That's ridiculous. Um, but I was re- viewing a return that a client prepped themselves. Very high income earner. But when I looked at the return, the taxes were way higher than I had projected or expected. When we did a year-end tax analysis, the taxes were way higher than ended up on the return especially since I did a ton of tax loss harvesting in the person's account. What I mean is, is they were a newer client. They came in, invested a bunch of cash. The market had a big correction back in March and April. And I did a bunch of swapping. Swapped out one fund for another ETF, some stocks for an ETF, and basically stayed invested and did some lost harvesting, swapped some positions to harvest losses that he could use against selling corporate stock that he had been selling for years and generated a bunch of losses on his tax return. Now, we stayed invested, so we had a great year, but harvested a bunch of losses. And I reviewed his Schedule D and his gains were sitting at 45000 rather than a big loss carry forward. And <clears throat> what happened was, is when he tried to download transactions from TD Ameritrade, there was a glitch and it didn't save. And so revising his return is getting him about 18 grand back in federal taxes plus state. And then making sure that that carry forward loss stays on his return will give him another $40,000 of savings at his bracket over the next several years. So it's worth to have people review those returns and have somebody else do it, even though you might be able to with TurboTax. Let me tell another story of how a financial advisor can add value by looking at a tax return. We can get so much done. If I know your expenses, I can look at your statements and have a copy of your last two tax returns, I can put together a puzzle. And even though a lot of fee-only financial advisors like myself and our, our crew at EP Wealth, we charge based on what we're managing for a person, percentage of assets that we're managing. It's really a smaller portion of what we do. It's really That's how we charge, but it's really a small portion of what we do. It's about 20 to 30%, in my opinion. We do everything else, provide advice on taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, and the investing. And let me give you an example of how much value can be added. Uh, Newer client, very high income earners. One was working at Genentech, the other at Stanford. They're maxing out their 401ks. At Stanford, there is a 403b. um, We got them doing the mega Roth 401k, the mega Roth 403b. They're still looking for ways to save more money. They couldn't do a backdoor Roth IRA since they had each they each had IRA, so they couldn't do any Roth options. So I looked at the tax return, and there's a form called an 8606, and the form 8606 tracks contributions to an IRA that you make, but you're never able to write off. 
And it actually creates a cost basis in your IRA, an amount that will never be taxed when you pull it out. So I looked and the husband had $90,000 of non-deductible IRA contributions over the years in his $350,000 IRA. So that provides a really big opportunity because there's 90,000 of non-deductible IRA contributions and there's 260,000 of money that has never been taxed. 90,000 that's already been taxed, 260 that's never been taxed. So what we're doing is we're rolling all but 90,000. So we're rolling $260,000 of his IRA into his Genentech 401k. All right. And some 401ks have rules on what they will allow you to roll in, whether it's rollover IRA contributions or contributory IRAs. But so we check on those rules. But what we're doing by rolling in all but 90 of his IRA to Genentech, once that 260,000 of money that's never been taxed is inside the 401k, we're going to convert the remaining 90,000 in his IRA over to a Roth completely tax free. There will be zero taxes due when we do this. 90,000 that's going to be that has been sitting in an IRA earning interest on it and and gains on a tax deferred basis. Somebody is eventually was going to eventually pay taxes on it, but now we're going to have $90,000 growing tax free forever in a Roth IRA. And let's say in 10 years that becomes 180 and in another 10 years that becomes 360 grand. So that's nearly you know, nearly $300,000 of tax-free growth that we would expect over, say, a 20-year period. Now, how much money does that save? If that would have been inside of an IRA, all of that growth would have been taxable. Now it's going to be in a Roth. So 300, nearly $300,000 of tax-free growth, if we project out 20 years, is going to be tax-free for the family. What's that save them? At least hundred grand in taxes? That's how financial advisors add value. That also frees them up now that, they ha- now that he has no IRAs and it's hidden in his 401k, he can also continue to tri- contribute to that IRA, file an 8606, and then convert that to a Roth every year, even though he makes too much money to directly fund a Roth. He can now do the backdoor Roth IRA and have 90 grand growing tax-free forever. So tax returns have so much information. Anytime that I go through a tax return and... I see a person that's making significant gifts to church or charity on their Schedule A. Like, how do you guys make in the gifts? Well, we just write a bunch of checks during the year. Well, (laughs) well, there's a lot better way to do that. If you have stocks that have a long-term gain and employee stock purchase plans where you get a discount do not work. But let's say you had stock that vested years ago and you have stock in Apple, Microsoft, Cisco, whatever. Instead of giving cash, you can give highly appreciated stock that has long-term gains over to a charity, get a tax deduction. They can sell it tax-free and never pay capital gains. And you just save yourself. You still gifted to charity the same amount, but now you're not going to pay capital gains on that stock. If you still like it and you're not overweight in it, you can use your cash to buy that back and upgrade your cost basis. But you just avoided a huge capital gain going forward. The other thing that I look at is if people are doing a good amount of gifting, but they're not itemizing their deductions because their standard deduction is larger, we'll then look at a donor-advised fund. Schwab and Fidelity both have good options. And what you can do is say, okay, look, I know I want to give 20 grand a year. 
the next five years. Or, well, actually, in this case, let's look at a more normal option. I know I want to gift 10 grand a year for the next five years, but I've been gifting 10 grand, but I'm still not high enough to itemize. What you can do is if you want to get a boost one year, you can say, okay, I'm going to project out. I'm going to do five years worth of gifting by donating highly appreciated stock into a donor advised fund. That will get your itemized deductions up high enough to actually benefit from the charitable gift. Once it's in the donor advised fund, you can actually sell that stock without paying any taxes, diversify the portfolio, and dole it out to your favorite charities over the next five years by simply going online and requesting checks to the charity. And so you're doing the same amount over the next five years, but you actually just got a tax benefit from doing it. Or even better, like I said before earlier in the segment, if you're gifting to charity, you can, over 70 and a half, you can donate directly from your IRA up to 100 grand a year and avoid taxes on it. And by taking on a new client the other day that is giving $26,000 a year to his church, he was pulling that out, paying taxes on it, and then writing a check every month and putting it in the basket at church. Well, now we got him a checkbook on his IRA. And he's going to write a check from his IRA to his nonprofit organization. And that's going to save them about $13,000 in taxes by doing it that way. So again, you know, people look at financial advisors, oh, they're, 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 they're investment advisors only. Well, some people are. If you're paying one, one and a half, two percent to somebody to just simply put your account in a pie chart and invest in a few stocks, ETFs, and funds, and they're not providing tax advice, financial planning, clearly showing you what your cash flow and retirement looks like, showing you what your success rate of retirement looks like, which accounts do you draw from first? What are your IRA to Roth conversions? What should you be doing for your estate plan for your family? Then, then you're paying too much. You're not getting what you're supposed to out of a relationship like that. So you know, now, now's a good time to review your tax return. And if you're in kind of a not a great situation with a financial advisor, it's also another time to look at it. You got a fresh return. You can get all your statements. Market's at a high. Good time to kind of get a double check on what you're doing. If you have any money questions for the show, just shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Coming back after the break, this is what we're going to talk about. This whole Biden tax plan um, is, is kind of interesting to... I mean, we got the American Rescue Plan. We got this child tax credit. We got people going to get two fifty a month in some cases into their checking account. What about the step up in basis situation? What is happening here? Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for twenty five hundred dollars per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcase is always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from one hundred thousand trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass? Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. Couples earning $150,000 or less can receive the full payments of $250 a month on this new child tax credit that Biden announced. Oh, was it last week? I don't know. All the weeks are blending together during uh, tax season. A little busy. But essentially what it is is... Um, 36 annually for children under six and 3,000 a year for kids that are older. So in order to get relief right away, people are literally going to have 250 bucks a month deposited into their checking account. And that's, that assumes that they already have that linked from previous returns. Um, 
the, the amount of stimulus that we've now received as a result of COVID so overshadows what happened in 2008 and 2009. And the craziest thing is, is that most people I know that were not tied to travel and leisure uh, and restaurants, I guess you put that under leisure, right? Had really their best year ever. Yeah, there was a huge market correction, but then it rebounded and went to the moon. And so now even more stimulus is coming out. <laughs> and it's not really a... It's just, here you go. H- have it. It's not truly based on needs too much. I guess people know what they'll deal with on on taxes. I, don't, I haven't even looked into it because what if they start sending it to you, but you make a higher income based on the previous plans, it's not going to have, you're not going to have to pay it back, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even going to look into it because it's just, it just blows my mind that it just can be announced like that. Um, but that's okay. Cause it's going to help a lot of families and childcare is a major issue. I've seen it in my own company where um, it, I think COVID and, and working from home and kids in most family cases was harder on the mom. Just managing the kids in the Zoom classes and trying to continue to work and have that all happen inside the house. It's just been more difficult. And so what a lot of people are struggling with is childcare going forward. Childcare is very expensive. Um, For example, I know somebody that, I think I mentioned this last time, mom of four, in my opinion, a total deadbeat dad that retired from the Navy in a BS, oh, I'm uh, disability or whatever. And the disability income can't be touched for child support. The guy's not paying anything. Total scumbag, in my opinion. And somebody like that can use this. She's, she's working hard and doing everything that she can to provide a good lifestyle for the kids. And so this will help her. But long story short, taxes are going up, people. I mean, we can't watch the debt clock of the United States government go up at this pace forever. And then also deal with the aging population, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Taxes are going up in the future. So keep that in mind. And with that said, I'm going to go to an email question from Jamie. And uh, if you want to shoot me an email, just chad at chadburton.com or go to chadburton.com. You can find out more about me and our firm and all our services there. Chad, thanks for all the info you provide on your show. I listen whenever I can. Do you know if Biden's proposed elimination of asset step-up would also apply to the step-up that occurs when a spouse dies? This is a big issue. Now, I've kind of talked about this in the past where the how the estate taxes work in this country is really quite silly. It is a tax on the wealthy. It's like, oh, you created too much wealth you have to give it back to the government because we're way better than you at distributing wealth, which is a total joke. Like, there, there's no checks and balances, in my opinion, in a lot of fiscal policies in the United States. So I think it's, it's a total joke. I think the estate tax should be completely eliminated. And I've said in the past, we should just be like t- Canada, where if we eliminate the estate tax, which is basically just a, a, a penalty for creating too much wealth, like if you have somebody that creates an amazing business and employs thousands of people, those thousands of people pay taxes. Why if they die, all of a sudden the government thinks that they should take some of that back and just put it into their coffers and then waste it? It's not like they're doing a great job with roads and bridges and schools. 
most wealthier people that I know give a ton away as well as they've created a lot of wealth and created a lot of jobs. So if we get rid of the estate tax, I've always said, well, we should probably also get rid of the step up in basis because that doesn't really make sense. Like why just because somebody dies, all of a sudden their heirs can inherit the stocks or the real estate and sell it without paying any taxes. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And that's kind of where the country is going to be moving to here. So that's been a big issue. That's why increasing capital gains tax rates and an elimination of step up in basis is part of Biden's proposal. But it's not as bad as you think, as, as you originally hear. So let's talk about the step up in basis. Typically what happens in a step up in basis situation is when a person passes away, let's say, uh, you know, just your mom is left and mom owns a million dollar home that they paid a hundred grand for 30 years ago. And mom owns a stock portfolio worth a half a million that has a, that they only paid 20,000 for and they just reinvested dividends and, and uh, it's been held for years. When mom passes away, all of those assets can transfer to the kids in kind and the kids can sell without any capital gains at all. They get a step up in basis. What's crazy is in community property states like Washington and California, when the first spouse dies, there's a step up in basis on everything. Everything. So California is actually a pretty cheap place to die, (laughs) if you think about it. It's a tough place to create wealth because it's a very high tax state, but it's a cheap place to die. There's no state inheritance tax. And at the first death, there's a step up in all basis of non-retirement accounts. Now, under Mr. Biden's proposal, the untaxed gains on investments held at death, like stock, land, or a home, could be taxed up to 39.6%, above an exemption of $1 million per individual. So that's in the proposal. So each person would have a $1 million as a step-up exemption, plus $250,000 more for a home. So for married couples, the total exemption would be doubled up to 2.5 million of gains. So that means most people in this country will be able to die, pass on their assets with no estate tax and no capital gains tax. And I think that's great. If they eliminate the capital, the inheritance tax or keep it where it is at the about $11.5 million per person, it actually does make a little bit more sense. I think they should just get rid of the estate tax altogether and actually get rid of the step up altogether. So under Kiplinger's, they say, while the American family's plan is light on details, the plan calls for an end to the effects of stepped up in basis for gains of 1 million or more, 2 million or more for a married couple. That's according to the White House. Billions in capital gains would continue to escape taxation entirely with this change. And they're right. Especially since most people have the majority of their savings in IRA accounts. And the SECURE Act changed IRA accounts. With IRAs, before the SECURE Act was passed last year, you could pass your IRA to your spouse and you can still do that. When you, so if, you, if you're a married couple and you have an IRA and you die, your spouse can just roll it into their IRA. And then when they die, in the past, the, the kids could roll it into an inherited IRA and stretch those taxes that are, it's due on that money over their entire lifetime. They just have to take a little bit out each year. The SECURE Act changed that. Now kids or non-spouse beneficiaries, in most cases, there are some There are a few caveats to this, but in most cases, whether it's an IRA or Roth, they have to take all the money out within 10 years. 
And there's still some clarification being done on this. So can you wait till the 10th year and take it all out? Or do you have to take out a little bit each year? They're still doing some changes on this. Um, so th- that is the step up in basis. Now, what we don't know that's going to happen yet is how states like Washington and California are going to deal with this, right? Because currently in a, cap- in a community property state, there's a full step up in basis. Now, Washington passed a very stealth capital gains tax on stocks this last year. So before you go moving from California to the state of Washington, two things. There's now a capital gains tax on stocks if you make over a certain amount. And and guys, Washington has a expensive inheritance tax when somebody dies. It is not a great place to die. So you might be thinking you're, you're, you know, exchanging a lower income tax rate in Washington, but it might bite you in the end with some capital gains taxes on stocks and some death taxes in the state of Washington. So what we still don't know though is in states like Washington, I'm sorry, yeah, Washington and California, what's going to happen to that step up in basis when the first person dies in a married couple? Are they going to go along with the Fed or are they going to keep their own state tax and you have this dual cost basis situation, a, a cost basis for state taxes and a cost basis for your federal taxes. Can that get any more confusing? Oh boy. So, and that's a little bit different, guys. So that's a step up in basis of death. The other issue when it comes to the capital gains is this increase in capital gains tax. And this is not set in stone yet. There's going to be a lot of negotiation on this. But the capital gains tax increases are for people earning more than $1 million in a year. So it's not going to affect most people in the United States. It really won't. But what I don't know, and I still can't figure this out, like let's say you typically are a, er, an income earner and let's say you make two hundred fifty grand a year and all of a sudden you sell something big and that puts you up over a million dollars. You sell a rental property, you sell your home, a bunch of stocks that you uh, came into from you know, working for a startup. Now, because you're at 250000 of earned income, does that mean that that gain is still the normal 15 to 23.8% bracket? Or do they combine that both to say, oh, now you made that much, now all of that gain is going to be at the 39.6% bracket? We don't know yet. It's pretty new. We're going to figure it all out. If you have a money question for the show, or if you need some help with your financial planning, investment management, state planning, all that stuff, we do it all. Just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Quest a meeting, some more information, whatever it may be. Or submit an email question like Alyssa here. Here's a question I'd love to get your take on and maybe even discuss on your show. With the current hot real estate market and buyers overbidding on properties in the Bay Area, some long-term homeowners can easily exceed the $500,000 capital gain exclusion. If you're trying to sell and move to another property, how can you minimize the tax? For example, if there's a a $3 million home, it's now $1.2 million more than that. I think there are a lot of people in this situation that have stayed in their home for years. Well, okay, first of all, you've got to look at your financial plan and say, are you going to need to sell that house anyways? Or maybe there's a, a health issue and you're going to want to move to assisted living or something like that. And like I've said before, taxes are going up in the future. When you're a seller of real estate, 
And maybe you don't even know if you need to be a seller of real estate, but maybe you need to do a financial plan, which is a very detailed cash flow analysis that shows, okay, maybe I'm going to run a little thin on my liquid assets because I'm real estate heavy. And I might need to sell something at a certain point in life. Well, you're going to want to know well ahead of that because with real estate, you got to kind of look at potentially timing the market, right? If you know that you're going to need to sell in the next two or three years, I might, you know, if if that's part of your plan, you might want to do it now just because the the bidding war, all cash offers or it is insane. If this was 2006 where people could fog a mirror and get a loan and there was really no stipulations, they were given loans to everybody. I would be really, really concerned. Right now, this is a, f- uh, a situation where there's a lot of money out there. So a lot of people are buying all cash properties and then refinancing, pulling the money out and doing some more. And interest rates are very low. So that that's fueling an increase in prices. It's an inverse relationship. When interest rates are really low and mortgage prices are really low, the price of the home goes up. Now, if you're a buyer you're not really as concerned much about the price that you're paying for the home. You're concerned mostly with the mortgage payments. Is it the proper payment for your family? Is it less than 35% of your income? Can you afford it? Or are you doing stupid things like taking money out of your retirement accounts in order just to get into the home because you feel like you're missing out on gains? So for buyers of people that want to stay in the home for the next 10 plus years it's the affordability of the mortgage that makes the most sense. But for sellers, you know you need to sell. Like in this situation, maybe you want to downsize. Just friggin' do it. Just just take... You know, Who cares if things go up a little bit more for a year or two? Rates are going higher. We're starting to see signs of inflation. I'm kind of not agreeing with the Federal Reserve right now. I think that most of the people that I talk to in different industries don't think that this inflation issue is going to be solved by fixing the supply chain in a year or two. They think that it's going to be really hard to catch up with demand. That things were shut down for so long and then at the same time, demand has increased so much for many goods that they just don't see how the catch-up can occur. So the prices are likely going to go higher. So we will probably see more like instead of one or two years of inflation, maybe three or four. That means rates go up, guys. Interest rates go up. And it's a it's an inverse relationship. When rates go up, prices come down a bit, and eventually, all this cash is going to you know people are going to are starting to hit the point of like, okay, this is getting stupid. It, you know, I just bought another rental property myself, and the the you know the the amount I paid, I'm not super happy with. I'm really not. All I know is that I had to do an all cash deal, and the only thing that makes me feel okay about it is that I know who I'm renting to. I also know that I'm going to refinance and pull 50% of that cash back out for another deal. And I'm happy at the rate that I'm getting on that cash out, on that mortgage. That's what makes me feel, uh, okay, well, at least this rental property is way better than bonds over the next 15, 20 years. Other than that, I'm not too excited about it. And I'm probably done looking for other deals right now, unless something really amazing happens because it's just too expensive. So... um Getting back to this, Alyssa, it's you're, you're kind of. Th- there are some ways to reduce the taxes. Like one of the things that people can do, um, if they if they you know want to continue to own real estate at a higher level, is you could move out of the home right now if you have the cash flow to do it, rent it out for a year or two, then ten thirty one exchange it into somewhere else, rent that out for a year or two, 
and then eventually move in. But that's if you want to kind of stay at the same value of home. It gets really tricky when you try to 1031 exchange to something less than value. There's that, that doesn't really work out. And then you give up that $500,000 capital gain exclusion. Uh, what I would do is just run the numbers on truly what you're going to pay capital gains tax. And if it's really that bad. Uh, other issues that if you know you um, are wanting to sell the house and you say, okay, this is what the tax is. If I sell it, take the $500,000 capital gain exclusion. If you're married, pay taxes on the rest. Here's what I have left over. Um, maybe if you have an estate tax problem, you're very wealthy, you look at something like a charitable remainder trust. Um, so besides 1031 exchange options, charitable remainder trusts, there's not a lot else that you can do. And that both of those things kind of complicate your life. So you'd really want to know that you're, you're going to keep the same property somewhere else. You got a long-term time horizon on all this. You can find something with a 1031. But remember, if you have to move out of it, run it for at least a year, in my opinion, then do the 1031 exchange, and then rent that for at least a year. So it gets tricky. It gets very long game kind of deal. With capital gains as low as they are, sometimes it's just bite, best to bite the bullet, pay the gains, and, and kind of move on. Um, but it's a tough problem, but it's also a really good problem to have, right? Your real estate went way up since you purchased it. And now it's time to kind of downsize and move on and enjoy retirement, pay the tax and, and move on. What I will say is when you have a capital gain that much and you're over 65, you're going to get hit with a pretty large IRMA tax. That's a big increase in your Medicare Part B premiums. If that happens to you, you're going to probably need to fight it. Because I know you can fight it when you sell a, an income producing property that you can say, hey, look, I, I, I sold this. I have a big tax, but I lost income as a result. So don't charge me this extra three or 400 bucks a month for my Medicare Part B. So keep that in mind if you're over 65 and you're doing large gains. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show, chadburton.com for all of the podcast links and to contact me for a meeting. Have a great day. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.